Praise the Lord. It is almost the greatest human privilege we have. The greatest is knowing Jesus. That's our greatest privilege. It's our highest achievement. I can't get any better, can't do any more than to be called a child of the Most High King. It gets no better than that. But then as a child, I have direct access to my father. And I can say, hey, Daddy, I'm having a real struggle here. Like, you remember when you were real little and... And you got an ache or a pain and you go to mom or you go to dad and you'd have these struggles and you just not feel good for whatever reason. And they'd be there to nurse you and love you. Well, you don't ever grow up really. We're all called. It doesn't ever say in the Bible, the adults of God. <laughs> it's not there. The grownups of God. We're all called the children of God. And so we want to make sure that we keep a right perspective on our Heavenly Father. And as we've been looking at this thing called prayer, I I just got to encourage you. My goal is never, uh, our goal as a leadership team is never just to give you information about prayer. My number one thing I'm trying to do and I hope is happening is you're praying more. There's a stirring, there's a desire. And if ever in our history... We need prayer warriors. We need people to, to just stand in the gap. People to just say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. I, I don't have to tell you with all this going on, you're either going to uh, fear and fret or you're going to begin to praise and pray. It's going to happen that way. And so I challenge you as we continue on this journey of prayer, we have a few more Sundays to go because I don't want to rush through this because where we're at in our nation Where we are as individuals. Listen, never in the history of man has there been such an onslaught in our nation where where the enemy is trying to take out everybody, starting with our children. I don't have to tell you what's going on. Anybody that does online, you can look at Netflix and see what's happening, where they're trying to take small girls and sexualize them to the point where somehow that's, that's art or that's okay. We've got to begin to pray as never before. We've got to begin to say, Lord, use us to make a difference. Use us. And the only way that happens is we stay connected to him. And that's really what prayer is. Prayer is, it's a conversation. It's a a lifestyle. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not how fancy I I can put words together and form sentences. Like I told you all last, last week, sometimes the greatest prayer is, Help! That's a good prayer sometimes. Anybody prayed that one before? You've been there, you're like, just help me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, the problem, I think, or one of them is that most people don't pray. Uh, Excuse me, let me rephrase that. A lot of times we, it's our last resort to pray. Not that they don't pray. We all pray at some time. Like school's back in session, and you don't think your kids pray? They pray. (laughs) Hey, you got a pop quiz that Jesus help me. Look, you got a test that you got a paper due next. Help me, Lord, help me. I promise you they'll pray. They'll never eliminate prayer out of school as long as they have tests and as long as they have term papers. It'll never happen. But, but I believe that many times we don't pray as much or as often or as fervently as we should is because of one thing. We, we got to ask the question, do my prayers really matter? Do my prayers 
really matter. In the last two weeks, I've had more people that have been challenged, that have challenged me with that. Do, do my prayers really make a difference? I mean, I pray and nothing seems to happen. And I said, well, then you have to ask yourself. I mean, I just happen to, to look at things logically. Like if your car doesn't start, you don't go say, well, my car won't start. It just won't start. So you just, well, I guess I'm going to just walk to work then. You don't just give up. It wouldn't do it. If something doesn't work, you got to go, well, hold it. Why, why isn't it working? Why doesn't it work? And maybe, maybe there's some things we can learn as we relate to God. And I want to tell you, every prayer that you pray, God values very, very deeply. He, he's moved by the sound of your voice, whether you know it or not. I mean, remember when your children were smaller and even still today, if you heard them crying out, you know, you're like, what? You knew. Mama's especially. Mama's in the room. Man, there could be a room full of kids and they hear one thing you're like, Whoa, oh, that's mine. I, I can, you know, the distinct sound of that voice and God knows the distinct sound of our voice, whether it's in crisis or whether it's in times of, 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 of complete Pleasure and privilege where you like, you got all your bills met. You got time off. You going to go fishing or are you going to go hunting? I know that season's coming up. Are you going to go to the mall with, with some folks? I know that hasn't happened a lot right now with COVID, but you going to go eat lunch or you going to go hang out. God is interested in every aspect. And do your prayers really matter? Absolutely every one of them. I want to look real quickly at a scene that is played out in, in heaven is found in the book of Revelation and in, in the first part of Revelation. And by the way, I know that's probably one of or has been one of the most confusing or controversial books in the Bible. And it's real simple. If anybody wants to know what the book of Revelation is about, I, I can break it down to you. Very, very simple. It's really the revelation of Jesus Christ where he reveals he is all that and then some. He's more than what your mind and my mind could have ever grasped. And it, and it, and it goes to the, to the nth degree that, wow, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ in all of his fullness. Like he showed up here 2000 years ago and guess what? He's coming back and we get to be a part of that. And it's an exciting thing. But in Revelation, in the uh, fifth chapter, uh, right after the, the second, second and third chapter, it talks about the church age and we, we hear about churches and, and we, we see their, what they've done well and what they haven't done so well. And so it goes through that and then in, in chapter four, it begins to shift and it begins to talk about the worship that's going on in heaven. And in verse five, I mean, in chapter five, it talks about the scrolls. That are there and there's seven seals around them and they're about to get open. And anybody that's read anything about Revelation, those seals are what they call judgment, the seal judgment. And they're about to get opened up. And it's like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? And right now in that, in that scene, it's saying that there's no one to open the scroll. There's no one that can open the seals. No one's worthy. No one's there. And all of heaven, I mean, you got the throne room of God. 
and you got the 24 elders and you got the four living creatures and we on the first Wednesday I went over those where you got the the head of a of a lion you got the one that's the the head of the eagle the head of the calf and the head of a man and they represent all different things and 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 you got them all sitting there and they nobody's worthy to open the scroll and then in verse 6 we see this and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing He's right there. And as though it had been slain, just so you know, Jesus Christ, he, he took on our image, like, like, he took on our image to be just like us. He still holds the scars. He still holds those. Says, the Lamb of Slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And just so you know, there's many interpretations, but basically this is Jesus in his fullness. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So I want you to picture this. God is on the throne in all his majesty. You've got the 24 elders. You've got thousands and ten thousands and ten thousands of angels that they're there before them. You got the four creatures and then there's the scroll. God's holding the scroll. Nobody can get it. And then just like Jesus stepped up 2,000 years ago and says, Father, Lord, whatever your will be done in my life. And he laid his life down so we could have life. The same thing, Jesus, this, this, this slain lamb goes up and says, Dad, I got this. And he takes the scroll And I want you to read this next part. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you as we continue with this message that Lord... Jesus, that you would be lifted up and glorified in everything that is shared, that, that Lord, you put on my heart. Thank you for clarity. Thank you, Lord God, for freedom for every one of us. That, Lord, you've invited us into this. Lord, we get to come joyfully because of what you've done. Lord, I thank you for your understanding. Lord, opening our hearts and our minds that we can receive and not only just receive, but then be a part of what you're doing in these last days on the earth. We celebrate you In your presence here, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to break this down real simply and quickly. There's three parts we want to look at, and we're going to actually go in reverse order. We're going to look at saints, we're going to look at prayers in golden bowls, and we're going to look at incense. Those three things we're going to look at, okay? The first one being saints, and this is one that has a lot of confusion and a lot of people that uh, that kind of, because of, Church tradition and because of other things, saints can be very confusing. Like if I were to ask everybody in here that's a saint, would you please raise your hand? Everybody that's a saint, raise your hand. You'd be like, that's exactly what I thought. You're like, I I don't consider myself really a saint. I mean, not in the full expression of saint. Well, I want to tell you real quickly, you either a saint or you ain't. It's that simple. And when you, when you, when you look at it and you look at what the word saint means, I'm going to break that scary word or that 
ominous word. It is to be set apart. The word saint is the same word that's used as holy. It's hagios, which means consecrated to God. Holy, sacred, set apart. Let me tell you something. If you've ever given your heart to Jesus, Jesus gave his life to you and you instantly became set apart. You became holy, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. You released him to come into your life. Therefore, you became a saint. Some of you are like, it's that easy? Yeah, I know that in, I grew up in a church where the tradition was they would actually have, they had a criteria to meet on what it took to be a saint. Like you had to perform so many miracles, check. You had to do this, check. You had, there are a number of things. And then I was actually told to pray to them. I was like, why do I got to go through somebody else? I can go directly to him, can't I? Do I, do I gotta, do I, I gotta bypass? Can I, can I just go? And so I always, growing up, and I love my mom, and we've talked many times about it, that like if you lost something, you, you would pray. Anybody know who you'd pray to if you lost something? Anthony, y'all know it. <laughs> so you would, you would pray to this person. I was like, but he's dead. So I gotta, but, but Jesus is alive. And so he's alive in heaven with him, but, so it, it was a thing to me growing up about this thing of saint. It made me feel a little bit intimidated. And when I began to study scripture, I realized, man, God loves us and he's called us to this life. And so when we think of this word, we always think of um, godly character. And that's what it really has to do with. That's what we're talking about. That's why we're here this morning. It's not because of how good we are. Some of y'all, let me, let me break that down for you a little bit. See, for the longest time, church was a place where you come and you demonstrate your goodness. I'm so good, I showed up, I'm so holy. And I'm telling you, church is a place where we come receive His goodness and His holiness, His righteousness, where we come together as a group of believers, where I lock arms with you and say, man, I need you. Hey, you need me. Hey, I need encouragement from you. Hey, out there, it's going to be rough. They don't care if you blow it. Matter of fact, if you do blow it, they're going to blow it up on Facebook and everywhere else. Say, ooh, look at you. And we're going to need our brothers to say, yeah, I blew it. Help me, Jesus. That's why I surround myself with the men and the women of God here. They help. They help keep me out of a newspaper going, oh, goodness, other than the obituaries, which I told you when you hear that Mark Lynn's gone, you celebrate like he is up in heaven. Go, oh, I'm a part of the scene. So I'm saying to you, these prayers, these things called saints, God has called us to this holiness. He he not only called us, but he provided everything we needed to live the life. And so what I what I present to him is a willing vessel. What I present to him is what we, what the Lord was speaking this morning through both these men, a surrendered vessel saying, God, man, I, I just do this. If you're trying to hang on and do this all by yourself, um, and you think I, I can do it, well, you can, but it's a lot better when we come together. Matter of fact, in, in the word saint, it's only used singular one time and it's always referring to plural. And so if you really look at the word saints or saints, you know, when I say the word saints, y'all know it usually the song that comes to mind. Oh, when the saints come marching in. And y'all know, y'all want to go. I, I got your mind up. Come back just a second. 
Listen. It refers to the word saints. It refers to body. It always is talking about the saints. Like in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles. This is what we do. We help train and some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry. That's what it's there for. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what they're for. That's what, that's what he called us to in 1 Corinthians. And by the way, the work of the ministry always starts with prayer. It first starts with a prayer, a, a commitment to Christ, and then it goes from there. The second one, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, right in the church of Corinth, it says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who are in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Listen, you might have walked in here a total heathen and can walk out of here a complete saint today. You are listening online. You may have just checked in with us. You could walk in. You could be a total sinner. I mean a scoundrel. I mean like messed up, mixed up, completely got it all messed up. And today you can become a saint right now today. It can happen today because of what Jesus already did. Amen. Can all the saints in the house say amen? amen. <laughs> okay. I just got to get you sure of who you are. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Jesus said, he even told his disciples, and he told the Pharisees, he says, your tradition nullifies the word of God. In other words, because of what you've heard, of what you've heard, of what you've heard, of what you've heard, it nullifies what God says. And I want to challenge you. Look at it. Look it up. Man, saints, we're, we're called. Woo. So when the saints go marching in, I'm going to be in that number, just so you know. The second part we talked about was prayers in golden bowls. Prayers that are in golden bowls. So check this out. How precious are your prayers to God? Like, he doesn't keep them in a Tupperware container that's wrapped with cling wrap because he can't find the lid. Come on. <laughs> He's not like, hey, oh, what are we going to store all these in? Huh? Here, get some of that plastic over there. Come on. We, it's recyclable. No, um, no, he, he puts them in golden bowls. It's a treasure to him. It's a value to him. He, he takes everything that's near and dear to you and he treasures it so greatly that he, he says, hey, guys. Hey, 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 they're, they're calling out. Jesus is right there interceding for us as well. And so our prayers are mixed and merged. And they're sitting there in the throne room of God. And at the right time, they're going to be poured out. They're going to be used. God doesn't, he doesn't miss anything. You know, we think, how could God keep up with all those prayers? Anybody remember, see the movie, you know, Bruce Almighty? And it's like, I'm not saying go watch it or anything. I'm just saying... He, he had a computer and he's trying to keep up with it. Let me say this. The God that was able to give men the ability to make a microchip that can keep millions and millions of parts of data on a little small little thing. I think he's got ways of being able to collect and to keep those prayers and to keep every one of them relevant, vibrant. It doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unchecked. He, he continually does that. And, and the thing about that, um, 
I want to challenge you that with prayers, and this is another thing, there's all types of prayer. And all of them are valuable. I'm going to run over just a few of them real quick, just so that we don't miss this. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul writes from the church of Ephesus and he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. With what? With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Like every morning, you get lifted up before the Lord. Every morning, I cry out to the Lord on your behalf. I pray every morning. I'm like, Lord, thank you. Some by name, some by church, by thing. And I'm like, Lord, thank you right now for blessing, strengthening. Lord, thank you for covering each one by your grace, by your mercy. Give them strength far beyond their own ability. Give them the ability to hear your voice. And then the, the boldness to follow it. God is for you. He's not against you. So these are, here's our few prayers. One is the prayer of supplication. If you're taking notes, you can write down prayer of supplication. All that means is to petition to entreat someone for something. So you always, we make supplication. Matter of fact, Philippians 4, 6 says it this way. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, in, in 1 Thessalonians, it says, don't pray about everything. Like all of it. Don't stop. So if it's important, if something's kind of on your heart or somebody wants you to pray. The second one is the prayer of intercession. And let me say, anybody can intercede. I know there's a spirit of intercession and I do pray a lot. And I don't know that I necessarily have. I just like to pray. I love to connect all through the day. Man, my wife said, are you talking to me or the dog? I said, I'm talking to God. It's reverse. You know, she talks. <laughs> we got a little dog and she likes to refer. And I, I don't. I'm like, hey, Hey, Max, but it's like, hey, God. And so everything, if it comes to my mind, it comes to my heart. If it's an anxious thought, I give it to him. This prayer of intercession is to intercede between, to plead or mediate on behalf of another person. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty says, I looked, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. That's going to happen tonight. Right now, there's a group at 530, this meeting, that's standing in the gap for our nation. I don't know if you know it or not, but, man, there's some choices that are being made. We've got people that say it's okay to take a life, a little precious baby, right before it exits the womb. They can take it right there. It can be born. I'm telling you, that is something that we have to stand in the gap. And, and let me say this, because when I say that, I know. There are people either in this room or listening online that have experienced the trauma, that have experienced the heartache. I've got family members that have confessed and and it was a very big, deep emotional wound that hit. But praise God, God heals it all. But that doesn't mean it needs to continue. I'm thankful for Patrick Eads, one of our elders and Skylark and others, his team that looks out for that. We have. I don't have to tell you, we have racial division that's going on like never before. And it should never be that. We celebrate life. And we've got to be engaged in all areas with everything. We can't just say, well, it doesn't affect me. Everything affects us. God wants us to intercede on behalf. We've got um, same-sex marriage that we need to pray for people that are confused. It's called gender 
you know, they, they think I'm supposed to be this and I get it. There's struggles. I've had the blessing of being able to walk with people through that journey and watch them come out on the other side. We can't walk in a spirit of judgment. We have to walk in a spirit of life to say, oh, you got to struggle. Good. Let me let me help walk that through with you instead of me judging you. God wants us to stand in the gap so that we can be the ones to make a difference. The next one, a prayer of faith. And when I when I was looking at this and writing this, when I said a prayer of faith, a prayer of faith, because I, I looked at James chapter five and I was like, well, I thought every prayer was in faith. Like, Mark, you mean you pray and it's not in faith? Well, actually, there are times where you have people that have a, a battle. Like, there's conversations that I'm having with God that's just a conversation. And it's got like, you don't get to be a part of that conversation. And it's not like I'm sitting here going, okay, God, I need you. It's like, hey, so having this thing going. And so we have this conversation. But in James 5, 14 and 15, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. To pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Listen, we'll do that this morning. If you have sickness, we will pray. We've got elders. We will lay hands and pray. Even in COVID-19, we'll anoint with oil. We won't be up close, but we will anoint you with oil. And pray and believe God to heal your body. There's the prayer of agreement. When you come into agreement with other people, Jesus said, where two or more agree is touching anything, it will be done by our Heavenly Father. There's the, um, the prayer of confession and repentance. I, 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 I gotta confess. <laughs> I use that one a lot. <laughs> Some of y'all not as much, obviously. The prayer, the prayer of confession and repentance. Cause see, there's two types of sin. There's the sins of commission where it's like, yeah, I just committed that. And there's the sins of omission where I didn't do what God had asked me to do because of either the fear or because of lack of understanding. And so that's what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The, the second part of that, we're not, I don't have it up there, but it says if we say we don't sin, and guess what? It says we're a liar. And his word's not in us. It's, it's not even true. So we have to acknowledge, Lord, even in that, our, 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 our confession is, Lord, you're great. Lord, I've blown it, but you're good. In James 5, 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. That's what that's what this freedom group we're talking about. If you just carry this stuff around like so all of us have things that we carry around from years. I mean. I can get with somebody, they can, hey, and, and they carry these things around for year after year after year. And if you don't find a place to settle them, they'll settle in you and that'll be your viewpoint. You'll continually talk through that. It'll continually be there. So you'll be healed. And then it goes and says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why? Because they've been healed. They understand God's will. They're praying that perfectly. Then uh, the next one, praying in tongues. And we did a, I did a sermon on that, um, back when we were going through Pentecost and, and simply this, uh, if you don't understand it, I'd love to sit down, make an appointment, come sit down in my office. I'd love to sit down and talk that through with you. It's a gift. And, and the, the enemies tried to make it this, this bad thing. Praying in tongues, a beautiful, awesome, 
language we get to pray. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says it this way. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit of God. And then again in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And so I don't want you to ever be fruitful of a gift that God gives. Is this somehow it's going to hurt you? That's a lie. And then finally, real quickly, the, the prayer of thanksgiving. And this is one that we've got this season that's about to come up. We got to go through this ugly one first where all this, the wicked comes out. <laughs> where they start already putting this, this skeleton and all this other woo, scary stuff. I'm like, why? Yuck. But these prayer of thanksgiving and all that simply is, is where we actually begin to realize, God, thank you. We realize that, hey, yeah, I, I don't have everything like I thought I should or everything. I, but Lord, thank you for what I do have. Thank you for the understanding I do have. Thank you for the friends I do have. Thank you for the family I do have. Whether it's my biological family or my faith family. Whether it's my work family. Thank you for that. Look, this Thanksgiving does something to God's heart. What it does, it lights him up. It's the same thing. Um, there again, I always refer to parents. Think about it. When your little ones come up to you and their little ones like, thank you, mommy, or thank you, daddy. You just like, oh, they said, and it wasn't something you told them. Tell them thank you. Tell, no, tell them, tell them, tell, tell them thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, tell, tell them. It's like, no, they just out of a sincere heart. Thank you. Man, thank you for all you do. That's the same thing it is with God. You know, the, the thing that Thanksgiving does, it disarms two of the most deadly weapons of our Christian walk, and that is unbelief and demonic attacks. If we'll begin to thank God and say, I don't have it all, but Lord, thank you for what I do have, it happens. So so that's that's with our these prayers that are in golden bowls. And then the, the last part real quick is this thing of incense. So there's these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So everything you've been crying out for, everything I've been crying out, we collectively as the body of Christ since Jesus, we've been crying out in this thing of incense. You know, now I know there was a day <laughs> I had an understanding of incense, but it was incorrect. Um, <laughs> I used to burn incense to uh, <laughs> not as a sweet aroma, but to cover up another aroma. <laughs> I was burning something else, so I needed to burn incense to try to cover that up. And if you don't know what that is, ask somebody, they'll tell you. <laughs> but it was a thing where it was to cover something up instead of this make it smell real nice. You know, today we have this thing called aromatherapy and these thing called essential oils. And, and it's proved they've got healing virtue in them, the smell, this sweet smelling thing. And it's lemon and orange and all these different things. Do you know if we have these beautiful smells, like one of my most favorite smells of all, I mean, here in Southeast Georgia, when I put some of these little strips of these sizzling goodness in the oven and this aroma starts to come up, I think it's God. <laughs> it's called the smell of bacon, you know, whoo, I'm being a little facetious, but with God, God says our prayers are like this sweet smelling fragrance. 
It comes all the way back. When, when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, there was, there were seven elements and the one just before it was in the holy place, but just before the holies, holies, it was the altar of incense. It was actually an altar that was set there. It was like two, uh, like a, like 18 inches square by like 36 inches high. And it was to be, God told Moses that, that, hey, he, he told Aaron, you gotta, he told Aaron in Exodus 30, seven and eight, it says, Aaron must burn fragrant, fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at the twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Can I tell you that there have been prayers that have been prayed before you and I ever got here and they're still being effective. They're still that incense is still coming forth and we're supposed to do the same thing where our, our prayers go before the Lord, your prayer for your loved ones, your prayer for for healing, your prayer for all that. That God wants us to do. It even goes on. Psalms 141.2 says this. May my prayer be beset before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Listen, God, in that place, the altar of incense, the smoke would rise. And it was like every day. Don't, we don't miss a day. In the morning, in the night. I think if Daniel said, hey, I'm going to do morning, noon, and night. And so I challenge you all through the day. We have this because this was a, a model, as a symbol of what Jesus means to us. So because of Jesus, he is our fragrant offering. He is the life of God. He, he gives us. So when we pray because of what Jesus has, re, he's redeemed our, redeemed our lives and purified our hearts. As we pray as saints, our prayers continually go before the Lord mixed with the blood of Jesus. Once a year on the day of atonement, they would take the blood of the lamb and they would put it on the four horns of the altar. And it was to remind them that, hey, it's purified. It's clean. It's cleared. God's done it. You know, I can't think of anything better than us getting the opportunity and the ability to affect history by us uniting with Christ and uniting with the Holy Spirit to cry out on behalf of our own self, on behalf of our family, on behalf of our city, our state, our nation, our world. And I want to I want to I want to wind down with this and I want you to to think about this. In Romans 8:34, uh Paul's talking to the Romans, the church at Rome and he says, "Who then is the one who condemns you?" He said, "No one." If you've ever felt condemned, know this, God has come to bring life. He didn't come to condemn us. John three seventeen. for the son didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He said, more than that, um, no one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who re- was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus right now, is right there praying for each one of us. And here are a couple, I'm going to just end with one prayer that um, I pray regularly for you and for me. And it's really one that um, that a, a pastor a friend that kind of said, hey, this, this is where God's heart is towards us. This is, I mean, so like, if you pray for somebody to get healed and they get healed, but yet they don't 
commit their life to Christ and they just live on and they go into a, a, a Christless eternity, what was the miracle? What was that miracle? I believe we are supposed to pray for everybody to be healed, period. It's not based on our goodness or their goodness. It's based on God's love for them. But I also believe we're supposed to help lead them to Christ. We're supposed to pray that their understanding would be awakened, that their mind would be open. In Ephesians chapter 1, 17 and 18, and I close with this, it says this, you know, in, in Scripture, it talks about prayer a lot. All through Scripture is prayer. But not a lot of prayers are recorded on what they actually said. Paul recorded these. There's four main ones, but this one I want to I want to share with you. And it's really how we're building our church and our church model as we move forward. He said, I keep asking God, asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul said, look, of all the things he could pray and of all the things that he could pray for you and over you, like, hey, Lord, let them win the lottery if they play. No, <laughs> they play. Lord, of all the things he could pray, he said, the number one thing, Lord, I, I want them to know you better because when they get to know you better, man, they're going to find out you're more loving you're more gracious, you're more willing, you're more able, you're more available than you've ever thought possible. I want them to know you more, know you better. It goes on to say, and, and by the way, our, our number one thing is we just want people to know God. I believe with all my heart there are people right now, when you walk out of here, it's not that they've rejected God. A lot of times it's rejected the, the, the person that presented God to them in, in some kind of way. That somehow God was mad at them and they're mad at them and therefore God's mad at you. And I want you to know he's got to get you. I want to tell you, he's out to get you. But it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. It's the grace of God that continually draws us and woos us to himself. It goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he called you. So he's praying that the eyes of your heart, that they would be open, that, that you could see. So, so talking about freedom, talking about small groups, this is where freedom comes is when we get together and we can look clearly across the table, one center to another center that's saved by grace and say, I'm, I don't got anything to judge you over. I've got no rocks to throw at you because I've got stuff in my past. You've got stuff. Hey, let's get rid of this stuff. Instead of hanging on to it. Instead of just walking it and allow it to walk in me. The only thing that will keep you from getting that freedom is it's called pride. But God wants our hearts enlightened. He wants our eyes cleared, our past to be clear. So we can see what he's doing. Which is the next thing, to discover your purpose. And that is so you may know the hope to which he's called you. And then the last part is... The riches of his glorious inheritance with his holy people. Like, we get to do this together. See, like, to have something so incredible, but not to get to share it with anybody? That just wouldn't be a, a great thing for me or for you. In, in Ephesians 170 uh, and 18, the message puts it this way. Do we have that? We don't have that? Okay, good. I'm going to read that. I knew we. I know it's a paraphrase, but I, I like the way it puts it. It says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, 
the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Like God doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him just like you're fully known. And you don't have to be afraid of him. Actually, the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. Not the complete fright like, oh no, he's, he's got a lightning bolt with my name on it. No, he's got a son that has scars in his hands that have my name on it. That he's the one that, that's what he has for us. And then it goes on to say, knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear. Now I know that some of us struggle. Like when I take these off, um, men become trees. <laughs> and so Paul's not talking about these physical eyes. You see, many of us see only through our past. Through our past failures or through our past successes. See, some of us, we get so prideful because of our past successes that we don't see anybody else. All we see is, I am so good. I do so well. I'm so incredible. And then some of us have done so many wrong things. It's like, I'm such a worm. I'll never be worthy of anything. I'm just so terrible. And we've got to settle those and get those out so we can see clearly and see each other as brothers and sisters, as people that God wants to, to reach and God wants to use. And he goes on to say, so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. The word that came forward, forth through Dan is, Many of us don't know the will of God. We're just kind of wandering around like, what's the will of God for me? I can tell you what the will of God is for you. It's to know Him. It's to discover His, to experience His freedom. To discover the gifts and talents He's placed in you before you ever showed up. And then to go use them, which is the last part. To grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life. Remember your life before Christ? Anybody remember that? Can you go back that far? Some of y'all, as, as back in Sunday school, I know when you're like four years old, I remember taking candy. I remember sneaking stuff out of the, 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 the treasure box, you know, whatever. Some of us, it's kind of one of those things like, oh, I remember vividly what my life was like and what my actions were and what they were, what, what it did to me. And I'm so thankful that he's called me to this glorious life. I was sharing this with somebody, my testimony this week, we were talking through it. And they looked at me and they said, I could never see you like that. And I said, I could never either again. But I lived every minute of it. See, God wants to use you. He wants to use me to make a difference in other people's lives so they can experience this glorious way of life. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father God, I do thank you right now. I thank you that you've given us this, this way of connecting with you, this thing that seems so ominous, it seems so hard and such a big struggle, but yet so simple, this thing we call prayer, where we get to just reach out to you and cry out to you. And this morning, Lord, I pray that every person in this room and those online, they wouldn't allow the enemy to lie to them any longer. They wouldn't allow their, their fear of you or their fear of failure or their fear of not being able to live up and do all you've called them to do. Their fear, Lord God, of, of, of just things that have weighed heavily and plagued them. Lord, I thank you today 
is a new day. And they can start a new conversation with you. They can begin to see you the way you are. The love, the grace, the truth that you didn't hold anything back, including your own son, so that we could connect with you. Lord, I pray right now that you would, you would settle that, that you're not angry with them, that, Lord, you're, you're wanting them to come and connect, to become a part of your life. And I want you this morning, if you've never asked and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, this would be a great day. Like I said, you could walk in here a sinner and walk out a saint. You could, you could be the biggest scoundrel and you, you, could, you could walk in the biggest scoundrel and walk, walk out the most incredible saint this morning because of who, who Jesus is and what he's done. And if you'd like to pray with me this morning, and I'm going to pray for you. If you'd like to do that, if you just slip your hand up wherever you are, or if you're online, you want to do that, I'll pray with you too. Anybody, praise the Lord, that you feel distant, you feel separated. You feel somehow, I'm not, I can't get close. I, there's something in my way this morning. It's time to break that off. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Yep. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's all just pray this together. Father God, I believe you are. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin and that his death paid for all of them. My past, my present, and even the ones I'll do later. He paid for them all. And I believe that he died for my sins so that I could be free from them and live with you. I accept your death, Jesus, as full payment for my sin. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life. Use it how you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. Listen, God is wanting to use us, church. I want to challenge you. As you leave here today, I want you to ramp up your prayer life. I want you to begin to pray as never before. I don't care what, what it is that comes to your mind. Start that dialogue. Start that conversation. Just continually throughout the day, whatever it comes. And I promise you, God's right there listening to every one of them. Amen. If you would stand up with me at this time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We will be available. After I bless you, we'll be available for prayer. If you need it, if you've got sickness in your body, or you have something that's really, you just need somebody to come into agreement, we'll be here with you and be here for you to pray with you. If you would, open your hands. Those online, open your hands. Receive from the Lord. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people, that your name might be placed on them. And you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace, give you his power, give you his provision and give you his protection in Jesus mighty name. Amen.